What's up, everybody? It's TJ. On this episode of The Buffs, we've got author Jason Murray talking about that little indie band from Dublin. You too. Here we go. One, two, three. Welcome to The Buffs, the show about people who like things a lot. Today, my guest is, say your name. Jason Murray. Jason Murray. What's going on, buddy? Not too much, man. How is how is Calgary? Calgary's good. Yeah. Starting to get cold out here. It was down to zero last night. That's ridiculous, because we're, 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 we're recording this in September. <laughs> yeah, winter <laughs> is coming. It is starting... Uh, to happen here leaves are changing and uh yeah snow in the mountains already so it's uh it's on its way so uh just so uh people who are listening know jason is a uh a writer from uh, i guess canada is the best way to say it because you've been in well you've been in a lot of places yeah born and raised uh, on the east coast and in, in moncton you mean the best coast and, right uh, not the west coast the yeah. best coast <laughs> Well, some would, some might say that, <laughs> and some who, uh, uh, no. who you know might disagree. You know, the people who don't have jobs or uh, steady income. <laughs> yes, well, uh, yeah, I, I like it here now. It's great, good, yeah. uh, good living out here. Lots of work for sure. But uh, you got a, we'll plug it early. You got a book coming out, right? Do have a book coming out uh, in May, uh, and uh, yeah, Distorted Revolution it is called, and a uh, book about Eric's trip and uh, their influence on the well Canadian music scene as a whole, actually, and good how old, they started yeah. in New Brunswick. A good old Moncton band. Yeah, Moncton. Good old Moncton band. Good old East Coast band. Yeah, which is sure. actually, and I mean, uh, uh, you let me read one of the, read the uh, the uh, preview copy or, or at least the one of the one of the first drafts of it i really liked it early drafts yeah for my drafts, uh, yeah. what i like is it's not just uh not just an unauthorized biography it's uh <laughs> you know it's about you growing up with the guys in eric's trip and seeing seeing that whole thing grow yeah and i think i think it has a lot to do with sort of moncton's growth and and uh sort of how uh music influenced the city a lot and mm-hmm. and how people sort of evolved in, in that area and how we sort of became a, a city and how we became sort of a destination uh, area and, and sort of all that stuff and, and how music sort of played a huge influence uh, on that. And, and Eric's trip definitely had a huge influence on, on uh, you know, the culture and youth culture in the area and the fashion and, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's it's sort of more of a it's more than just uh, sort of a music book. Yeah, it's about me, and my friends, skateboarding, growing up skateboarding, and and uh, Moncton music, and and how all those things affected us for sure. Yeah. So speaking of like uh, the musical influence on on life, it's, it's a great yeah. way for us to get into uh, what we're actually here to talk about, which is. Uh, uh, going from one little tiny indie band to another little tiny indie band, Jason, what is what's so great about the band U2? Ooh, it's a it's a big question. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, it's like any it's like any uh, band. 
I suppose in some ways. I mean, what, what, you know, the first time you hear any band and and uh, what effect they have on on you. I mean, we could, uh, you know, you could you could think about the first time you hear uh, your your favorite band. I mean, the first time I heard that band, a friend of mine, uh, we were in grade seven. He he. He slid uh, under a blood red sky across on a cassette uh, to me and and said, "Hey, my my sister is a big fan of this band and you need to listen to it." I brought it home. It was live, and um, I just started listening to it. You know the lyrics, the passion. You know the live at Red Rocks. It was just a combination of all those things. I, around about that same time, I was just starting to to listen to punk rock and it, it had that sort of punk rock sensibility yeah. and that sort of, you know, that sort of, uh, aggression and, and that sort of, um, against the grain kind of attitude and, and, uh, you know, music was not new to me cause I, you know, I was, I don't know, however old, like 12 years old or whatever it was, but, uh, I was I was definitely discovering music in a whole new way, you know, mm-hmm. and um, you know the the Bono and his you know his views of the world and his sort of uh, take on the world the same you know the same way as I was finding with Black Flag and the Ramones and. Uh, you know their views of the world, and uh, you know we and we were all from Moncton, and we were pretty isolated, and um, you know we didn't, you know we were all pretty sort of middle class or lower middle class, whatever we were. So, but you know we were isolated from anything too. Um, you know, wars or gangs or anything like that. So, you know, we were pretty safe in general. So, uh, and these guys were talking about, you know, U2 was talking about um, the IRA and, you know, things being blown up and people being killed for religious reasons and, you know, and, and sort of more global issues that we, you know, we as kids just really weren't aware of. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, it just sort of opened my eyes and opened our eyes a little bit. And, and uh, you know, there, there were just sort of, there were things in those uh, lyrics that, um, you know, not, not only that you know, the music was great and catchy and, and all those things, um, but songs like Sunday Bloody Sunday just, you know, I think just sort of opened up our, opened up my eyes, opened up our eyes to... You know, lots of lots of new things. So it's interesting that you say like Black Flag, all these bands from the early '80s, Black Flag. I mean, you had kind of the the post peak clash in that same era, and they were all kind of this like socially aware uh, in very different ways. The the Washington scene was very different from the London scene, which was very different from the Dublin scene, which is you know like New York. Obviously, the Ramones were kind of you know starting to. Uh, become even more of a i guess a cartoon or whatever <laughs> however the ramones ended right up. but it's kind of interesting because um you two had a very different um aim than uh right than these other bands did because i mean i'm sitting here in my lap i have that book you two by you two that big huge coffee table book and i'm kind of flipping through it as yep. trying to keep up with you and um what i think is uh kind of remarkable about them is that from the very beginning like the first show that they played like out on their 
I don't know where did they, where was their first show? Like I remember seeing a documentary. It was like on a platform in the playground of their like high school or middle school, whatever it was. Yeah, in Dublin. Yeah. yeah, at their at the school they went to, the middle school they went to. Yeah. Yeah, and that was even then they had like okay, and next we're going to be playing at this pub, and then they played the pub, and it's like okay, <laughs> we're going to be playing this club next, and then they played the club, and okay, yeah. we're moving to theaters, and like it was always where you had the clash, who were just kind of. Uh, you know, Joe Strummer was what the 101ers before that, and you have like the Ramones, right. who were just a bunch of you know schlubs hanging around, uh, hanging around New York City. Well, you have these guys from uh, Dublin who are doing the same thing and talking about their version of those same you know things that actually matter to them in their day to day life. But at the same time, they're they're they always intended to be as big as they are now. I think that's kind of interesting that you were drawn to Black Flag, who was just totally happy with playing you know basements in in dc and then you also are a huge fan of of uh, bono and you too whose aims were always to like you know sell out to o2 yeah you know i don't i don't know that i knew that at the time of course you know because you know i was i was really lucky my dad uh was a drummer uh, you know in the 70s and and a musician and a huge music fan and I can remember and my, my parents uh, were separated very, very early. And and so I would only see my dad, you know, uh, you know, on the weekends or whatever. So when I would see him, he would always bring me tapes and he bought me this first little stereo that I had. Mm-hmm. So he would always bring me tapes when I would see him. And I, I really remember him um, uh, always bringing me a variety of 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 different music and i and i know that he did it intentionally so he would bring me you know at that time in the early 80s or mid 80s he would bring you know bring me michael jackson's thriller when it came out (laughs) yeah but then he would bring me you know the police synchronicity and then he would bring me a black sabbath tape and then (laughs) but then he would bring me madonna's like a virgin like he would always bring me sort of you know he he never sort of um you know, he, he he didn't know he didn't bring me any sort of specific genre to say, oh no, you have to listen to just one genre of music. He was always uh, very specific to make sure that I listened to a wide variety of music. So I kind of grew up uh, just always really enjoying all different kinds of music, and I still do. So at that time, you know, I was listening to black flag and the ramones and i was listening to u2 and i and i was listening to metallica and megadeth so i was listening to you know little bits of everything you know uh, bob marley or whatever so um but yeah you're absolutely right you know uh these other bands weren't thinking about the future u2 absolutely were thinking about the future mm-hmm. i think they were ambitious from the very first day bono i think led that charge um very early uh but then when they met their manager uh paul mcginnis you know he sort of um said to them and he sort of became their fifth member you know and sort of said you know whether whether he saw something in them that, that he thought uh he could take them to the next level i'm, I'm not sure because you know in their early early days there was nothing really really specific that you know they showed that much promise yeah they were kind of just like Susie and the banshees meets joy division yes 
meets some of those other punk bands that they were listening to at yeah. the time. But yeah, Paul McGinnis was the guy who could actualize their actual ambitions. Yeah. He was the guy who who knew who to call. I, I think that's right. He was connected, and I think he just probably saw the music industry as a an opportunity to make some money and and yeah. But as you know, as they started to grow and and you know there probably weren't you know that many sort of bands maybe in in Europe, especially in the UK and yeah they they just started to uh, to sort of you know take the opportunities as they uh, you know as they got them. But of course, and then this is not really that super well known about the band, but um, the the four of them were were very because you know they went to, uh, religious schools uh, growing yeah. up, and they they almost broke up right before and right around their first album. Uh, you know when they recorded "Boy," and they were starting to get some pretty um, you know serious success, and they were starting to tour, and um, mm-hmm. they were about to come to America, and um, you know sort of uh, two of the guys in the band basically sort of said you know they didn't think that rock and roll or or music or being in a band um sort of completed their faith-based ideas of of (laughs) what they wanted from their life and they basically quit the band and they they kind of took a break from the band for a while and and bono had to sort of talk to the edge and say well you know we we you know we might be able to work this into what we sort of think you know faith is and you know we maybe we can sort of you know redefine what that is for our lives which was october right but yeah yeah so and probably a good i and probably their second album after boy yeah and and probably good that he did because uh, <laughs> i mean it worked the, out pretty well for all of them. at the cost of their audience are you a big fan of october I am actually. Are you really? You know, I, yeah, I, you know, I think those albums are are, are classic, and and I, I think they're they're amazing. You know, and uh, you know, I know you write, and I know you make music, and 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 I try to do the same thing myself, and and um, you know, I think the you know when I started to write and play music and mm-hmm. try to create anything. I, I took a whole new appreciation for um, that process, you know, and, and, and I started to take a whole new appreciation for music in general mm-hmm. because, you know, you, you can say, well, I, you know, I don't like certain albums. But, and I'm talking about my favorite bands, of course, because, uh, you know, I'll start to say, well, you know, bands can't recreate, you know, U2's not going to recreate the Joshua Tree over yeah. and over and over, nor are they going to recreate boy or war or you know or any bit or any album but you know you know i start to look back at those albums now and say hey you know for the age they were the stage they were um you know those albums are heavy and they're deep and there's some serious political content on there and and uh yeah like i you know i really love them for for what they are for the time and and when I'm in the right mood, I can listen to any of those albums and really appreciate them for what they are. You know, some days you just want to hear the Joshua Tree and you want to hear those songs that you just know so yeah. well. And Shut up and play the hits. Some days, yeah, exactly. But some days, you know, you just want to get into some, you know, some really heavy duty uh, 
you know, sort of old stuff. And then you really got to dig back to Boy, October, and War. And, you know, those are really some really classic, classic albums. What, um, going back a little bit to when we were talking about, uh, the, you know, you growing up, uh, you were exposed to all these different genres, which kind of made you two like a band tailor made for you because they've, as we were just talking about, they've changed so many times throughout their, uh, throughout yep. their career. But, um, a lot of the bands that the other bands, like, uh, I know like every, you know, I see a lot of time you're wearing a black flag t-shirt or, uh, you know, there are a lot yeah. of bands who don't necessarily agree with the idea of, of, uh, uh, U2 has always tread the line between, um, people on one side saying, you know, um, these guys are always doing the same thing, singing like pseudo religious lyrics, playing with a lot of echo and delay and stuff like that. And then people on the other side who are like, these guys just follow whatever's trendy. You know, that's kind of right. the, the, and then in the middle are the people who appreciate it like you do. So um, it's kind of interesting that like, you know, you take a black flag and you hold them up against you too. They're not exactly, uh, you know, uh, they're not exactly following the same artistic uh, route, even if if uh, if that's if that's sacrilegious to say in the face, you know, talking about art itself. Right. But they don't. Uh, Black Flag wasn't really concerned about like, well, what? Uh, how can we use uh, the sounds of what did what did Bono say? He was uh, they were going to do cut down the Joshua tree exactly. and uh, or you know uh, capture the sound of Berlin. Yeah. Or you know bring the bring the melodies of Morocco and stuff like that. Like Black right. Flag was just like no, we're just gonna play flat, fast, and loud, and and uh, you well, know uh, say what's bothering us. Well, you know what? They're 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 more similar in a lot of ways than they would probably admit. You know, both very subversive. You know, bands. Yeah. You know, both very uh, against the mainstream in a lot of ways. Although. U2 doesn't say that uh, openly because mm-hmm. they're just way more diplomatic. You know, Bono yeah. is, is the ultimate diplomat, and I think that's uh, in a lot of ways why people don't like, some people don't like him um, because he's a unifier, you know. He, he likes to bring people together. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, after the Joshua Tree and the success of that, album um i am sure everybody in the and, and then the rattle and hum which sort of followed up it followed it up i mean was sort of a mm-hmm. those those albums are sort of joined in a lot of ways yeah i am sure everybody in the whole wide world you know record executives and and anybody who was connected to that band wanted them to you know uh remake that album you know because it made so much money uh, all over the world, and that those tours made so much money. Um, they, you know, they, yeah, they they literally said that at, at a New Year's Eve show. Uh, said, you know, we're we're going away, and we're gonna dream it all up again. And mm-hmm. what they came back with uh, with Octung Baby was was the furthest thing from what was going on in the in the world of music at that time. And you know, people. I, you know, loved it after they got used to it. But, you know, Zoo Station and and uh, The Fly, I mean, this is this was not the trend. You know, these were these were songs, um, you know, one, of course, was a song that everybody loved. But that's sort of the the unifying nature of and, you know, maybe the diplomacy of when you put out a song like um, you know, Zoo Station, well, you have to have a song that's going to, you know, 
bring everybody together like one because you're shocking everyone with with uh, with the other songs on there. But you know the way I saw it was they they took a huge 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 risk putting that album out because everybody wanted to hear uh, Joshua Tree too, and and so. Uh, they went out and, and sort of took an artistic risk and and as a band, you know, and as any kind of artist, you want to kind of do what pushes you and and um, and if you've ever seen um, the documentary they made um, where they went to make Octang Baby, you know, it almost destroyed the band because they went and went to Berlin and sort of said, look, we need to push ourselves artistically. We need to do what's right for the band and we need to find a new direction and uh they almost didn't they almost couldn't do it and it almost sort of you know divided the band completely the drummer uh larry did not want to do what they were doing and everybody sort of got strained and uh you know and in the end they came out with you know in my opinion they came out with another masterpiece i mean it was just you know that album is is incredible and so um yeah and you know black flag did the same thing their 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 early albums were were absolute you know punk rock at its core i mean and then you know as you you got into later albums you know you got uh you got albums like uh, my war where there's sort of jazz influence and jazz tones and sort of stuff on there so they weren't they you know and and in the end they started they broke up in the end because uh, there were too much. There was there was there were too many expectations from fans and people wanting them to just be a punk, loud, scream, violent sort of band. And Greg Ginn wanted yeah. to, you know, he wanted to explore um, his artistic side. So, you know, in a lot of ways, they're they're you know they they can, they're one in the same band, right? So ninety one, that's when Actung Baby comes out. Yep. Uh, it's also. Um, I kind of consider, I don't know, I was young in the early nineties. Yeah. Um, so I, I have to look back on this. I, I don't have the, uh, I wasn't in the thick of it. You know, I wasn't in the shit. Right. I was, uh, uh, you know, I have to look back at it kind of like, you know, read about it and listen to the albums and watch some of the interviews and stuff like that. But it's kind of a time when, uh, everybody reacted to the eighties in, in, uh, in different ways and pop music almost kind of split. Right. Uh, you had on one side. You had the 80s, especially the late 80s era of just, like, produce, produce, produce. Uh, you know, uh, you don't even really need the artist, maybe for a couple days, and then that's all you need is a couple of vocal tracks, and then uh, everything else can be done by a guy in a, in a control room. Yeah. But, uh, so, to that, you had Nirvana, and you had, well, you had the whole, you know, sub-pop uh, Seattle scene. Obviously, you had Eric's Trip. Yep. You had, uh, um, you know, a, a lot of these... Uh, bands who just said no we're going to strip it back to what it was 20 years before yeah but then you also had you two who essentially said uh you didn't like rattle and hum because a lot of the criticism of rattle and hum was you know who do these guys think they are they're way too uh you know uh there's way too much uh you know self uh, reflection it's it's yeah. it's obnoxious and they said oh you think you know obnoxious <laughs> here right. comes you know here comes here comes excess. Here comes uh, our version of uh, the '80s. Yeah, megalomania you know, uh, in '91. Exactly, and that was what the fly was, and that yeah. was what you know. Uh, this whole the whole idea of Zoo TV was about like we're gonna you know shoot you shoot your culture back at you. Right. Whereas you had Nirvana, who were like we're gonna burn down right you know everything that you built. Um, so in '91, um, 
you know, uh, where are you? What are you doing in 91 when Acting Baby comes out and when this grunge thing is starting to grind? Well, I'm in high school. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm going to Moncton High. Um, you know, I, I have come up through... Uh, the 80s, you know, I started skateboarding in 85, 86. Um, mm-hmm. We've, you know, we've basically sort of, you know, started skateboarding in the mid-80s, risen with, you know, uh, Minor Threat and Black Flag and the Ramones and the Misfits. So, you know, we, we feel... Um, we sort of start to feel with the rise of grunge that it's already been done a little bit. I like Nirvana. I, I you know, I, well, of course, we we really like Eric's trip. We we, uh, we we know these guys. We grew up skateboarding with them in town. We really like their. We think that their creativity, um, Eric's trip, and and the bands that surround them. Uh, Purple Night and the Monoxides and all these guys. We, you know, I think they're really authentic. I'm, I'm not really sure about the authenticity of of Nirvana. Uh, I think it's uh, a little bit um, manufactured. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that they're sort of. I, you know, I don't know. We're, I'm, I'm a little bit. Uh, skeptical especially when um every you know we're you know we're you know we sort of grow up or we come into high school already wearing uh black flag t-shirts and and uh misfits t-shirts and then everybody starts calling nirvana punk and they start wearing nevermind t-shirts and people start already growing their hair uh, or playing, people start uh, growing it smells like teen spirit at hockey games exactly and exactly well that's the whole thing jocks start wearing these t-shirts and and um you know kurt cobain is sort of you know anti all of this and so we're yeah. sort of you know the the whole the whole sort of um culture gets flipped you know and uh um you know you you are I don't know you 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 skateboard and listen to alternative music if you want to call it that you know to be on the fringe but now the fringe has become uh, the mainstream right so that's it the mountain goes to Muhammad exactly so it it you're no law so I mean literally uh, everybody, you know, guys that I I know, people that I know, you know, start wearing their T-shirts inside out. Like, you, you know, you're no longer really all that, you know, uh, you don't really want to wear these shirts, uh, you know, to school because you don't really want to be associated with the trend. And um, so it's kind of a w- really weird time um, in 91, 92. And uh, so I'm all right because i listen to everything i have i have mm-hmm. i have uh, nirvana's first album bleach and and nevermind and i like them but i'm also still a huge u2 fan um you know i'm still a huge punk rock fan you know i remember having bob marley's uh, box set you know like i still i list i was a tragically hip fan you know like i listened 
to everything. So, um, but when when Octung Baby came out, I, I was a huge fan, and in fact, um, it was the first. Yeah, I think I may have seen a Tragically Hip uh, once or twice through high school. I saw them at a bar, and then I saw them at Mount A, and then I, I think, was mm-hmm. the first time I got Mount to see Allison them. University. Yeah, yeah, I got to see them at the Coliseum. But um, I, 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 a friend of mine or a couple of friends, we, we took a bus trip to Montreal to see um, the Zoo TV show. Uh, so that it was, was the first time you saw you too. That was the first time I saw them, and it was that was the so first ninety two, ninety two March ninety two. Yeah. So that, <laughs> that was the first big concert I ever saw, and I was blown yeah. away, like completely blown away. So yeah, it was kind of the yeah. It was kind of the uh, again. You're watching all these people around you uh, cling on to uh, uh, what you thought was alternative or subversive, and then all of a sudden, there's these guys who uh, are the, supposed to be the biggest band in the world just taking a piss on everything that uh, put them where they are. Yeah, more or less, and and so we're and that's sort of what it is. You know, everything's kind of being keep being flipped around and YouTube's kind of making fun of it, you know, and, and we're, you know, and, you know, we're, we're pretty subversive kids as it is because, you know, we're, you know, we're sort of, um, um, like I said, skateboarders were subversive and, and didn't fall, you know, if they told us to go left, well, we were going right, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, um, so the, you know, I, I can remember specifically, I can remember, being at a party um and you know this i I think he was the the captain of the football team or the quarterback or something and he came in with a a nirvana t-shirt on i i I assume it was the The never mind t-shirt t-shirt and i just remember thinking like you know (laughs) it's over like you know every everything's (laughs) over like this is not this is everything we stand for is is over you know like this this can't be happening you know like we just we you know we were trying to we spent our whole lives just trying to be you know different and and uh you know and and now they're kind of uh taking over our our culture and ruining our culture like we're we're not going to start you know uh, you know, wearing football jerseys to be alternative to them, you know? So, yeah. uh, it's sort of, it was sort of a weird time. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, you two, and, and then there was something else to you two that, um, I think allowed us to, like I said before, they, they had bigger, they tackled bigger issues, you know, I mean, they were very political and, you know, and in in high, I mean, before high school, I guess we didn't give a shit. But bef- uh, you know, in high school, you start thinking about bigger issues, maybe than just yourself. I mean, you're you're pretty, yeah. uh, you know. You, I mean, you don't really care about too much other than yourself. But you know, you you do start to think about stuff. And people razz and and shit on Bono, you know, about all these sorts of things. But you know, you do start to think about um you know uh, other other things and one campaign and 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 uh, drawing attention to all these things around the world so you know we st- you know you start to think about these things and we really uh, um you know started to get attracted to uh more than just um you know i don't know the the you know maybe just the simple uh care about me kind of stuff that we might mm-hmm. just see and 
um, you know, in, in just, you know, Ramon's tunes or something like that. And, uh, so, you know, he, there is a bit of an attraction there too with that. So, so after 92, you go and see, uh, the zoo TV tour, what's your next big, uh, big U2 moment? Big U2 moment. So yeah, so you see him in 92. Is it the next album? Um, let me see now. Yeah, I think I saw them again um, on the pop tour mm-hmm. in Toronto. Like 98, 97? Yeah, no, I think it was 97. And that's when you first start traveling to see them, right? Yeah. So I, I, Like I, Montreal is about an eight-hour drive from where you grew up. Toronto is now you know, adding another eight hours to that. Yeah. So, I, well, actually, I've seen them every tour. I've seen them every tour after... Uh, after zoo tv so um yeah so that's basically <laughs> and in how many different continents <laughs> well uh, i've only seen them actually i've only seen them in in uh in, well in the u.s and canada but i've seen them i thought you went to yeah you saw bono in person yeah. in europe right uh, no 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 in montreal no in montreal oh, montreal we, yeah we've never we, we my wife uh she's huge is a huge uh actually i met her at that first um at that first concert in montreal i, I met her oh, really on the bus yeah we we so me and a couple of buddies um we took this bus tour it started in moncton it stopped in st john and then it stopped in Fredericton. and she and mm-hmm. a couple of her girlfriends got on there and being the uh the charmers or the 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 the, the charmers we thought we were um <laughs> and uh you know we were in grade 11 i think um we just started chatting these girls up and we got to montreal and their room was across from ours the hotel room and um so yeah we we just we met them after the show and and then we just stayed in touch and so yeah we that, that's how i met her and then yeah we've seen them 15 times or so after that but yeah no we we've always said we'll go to uh we, we'll go to dublin and see them and and uh, sort of travel around but we we've we've never actually uh made the commitment but we've uh yeah we've seen them all over uh, canada and and um and some in the u.s but yeah it's always uh but we started being smarter about it like when we go to uh because they started doing multiple dates in each city so when we yep. go to see them in in a city, we'd sit like uh, was it last summer, not the summer, last summer, uh, in Boston. We saw I forget now three or four shows, and then we went to New York and saw a couple of shows, and then um, in Montreal, we'd start seeing them two or three nights in in one city instead of traveling to multiple cities, just trying to see them in you know multiple shows in one city. So, so what has been your uh, what's been your greatest YouTube moment? Well, you know, probably, well, we've had a lot, I, you know, <laughs> being, you know, being with my wife at all these shows, you know, is probably uh, pretty incredible, Me, you know, meeting her at that first show. And then I, there was a, a couple of shows because there, we, um, we lost touch for a few years and then we, we met again and, but, uh, but, but she and I going to Montreal in oh geez um 2005 i think it was and we so were like atomic bomb yeah yeah vertigo yeah, yeah. vertigo was a tour so we were there and um 
we were staying at this hotel and it turned out that their hotel was sort of right beside ours and we were just out walking to go get breakfast i think it was it was fairly early before lunch and we we -hmm. saw these people gathered out front of this sort of little boutique hotel and my wife started talking with someone they said oh uh, the band is staying here so we just sort of stood and stayed and it was november it was quite cold and um so we had waited for quite a while a couple hours and there was no sort of movement but there was a black suv out parked right in front so we assumed somebody you know they would somebody was coming out at some point and um so then somebody came out and kind of cleared everybody away and they put sort of tape a wide sort of berth of of tape to kind of keep everything everyone back and they said uh no one's coming um you know so everyone should just leave so we kind of stayed but um so but my wife went with these other girls to get coffee because they were freezing so i so i said well you you probably shouldn't go because if you go someone's going to come out so she left and went, I don't know, a block down. And as soon as she left, I stayed. As soon as she left, Bono walked out. And (laughs) (laughs) just the way it is, right? So as soon as, so he walked out, and I I was the only person standing there. So so he he walked down. I started talking to him. I had a Sharpie, and I had a a CD uh, sleeve. And he and I, he and I started talking, and he signed my sleeve, and so there was another girl that um, had been close by. She ran over, and she was friends with the girls my wife was with. Yeah. She texted them and said, you better get over here. And then my wife came running, and uh, they got there in time, and, I, and, and a crowd had gathered by that point. And I was just happened to be standing right in front of him, and I just got, I was able to pull her in and pull her in front of me. And then she was standing right in front of him and she got to talk to him and meet him. And so that was pretty and he was cool. Yeah, he was really cool. He was very nice. And so, that, you know, it, it was a pretty cool moment for us. I mean, we, you know, we, we had been fans, you know, she had been fan, a, a fan too since, you know, middle school. And, and um, yeah, so, you know, pretty, pretty exciting times, but you know, we got to see them, uh, you know, on on the last, uh, you know, half dozen tours, and you know, we saw them in the Sky Dome with the with the um, the dome was open and and the and the tower was lit up, but you know, warm summer nights, and and I think yeah. you know, essentially at, at the end of the day, seeing you two live is probably one of the greatest experiences as a fan. I mean, and, and I, and I, I know, you know, a lot of people shit on them and a lot of people don't like them and, and you, um, and you know, their politics and, and their, and their egos and all those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, if you go and see them live, you, you know, well, most of their songs. And if you can stand in a crowd and, um, you know, dance to those songs or just move to those songs. Um, you know, it's really, it's hard to deny the power and the energy of, of that band with 50,000 people and everybody singing and everybody moving. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's the power of music at its best. There, there's just no question about it. 
So you get one word, one word only, Jason. After all this, what's so great about you two? <laughs> you can say the, I guess. You know what? Uh, these it's a new podcast, so we'll we'll create some rules. You can say the, and then you get one word. <laughs> Well, you know, the music, you know, I guess that's really what it is. It's the music. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just uh, for, from the first time I heard them, it's just the music. You, you know, it's it's like anything, any band that you like, um, when you put it on, it affects you in some capacity, right? Whether it's the words or just the tunes or, or the, you know, it could be the politics. It could just be... You know, I, I'm I, I'm like you. I'm a writer, and and I'm a, I'm a big fan of lyrics and and the way words are put together, and and uh, you know, I just like how words affect me, and and uh, and I can remember from the first time I heard uh, I heard them, um, you know, some just a combination, or you know, or of uh, the way words were put together, and and. Uh, I remember just thinking to myself, like, wow, like this guy, maybe not even knowing at that time really what I meant or, or, you know, what the words meant to me or how they were put together. But I just remember thinking, like, I really like these words, you know, and I really like yeah. how they're put together and I like the music and uh, and I still do. You know, I really just, I, you know, it, it, uh, it affects me in a certain way. The same way that you know the ramones do or um you know the black keys or you know a hundred other bands do but uh when i put it on it makes me happy and and uh that's really what it's all about in the end i think all right thanks man uh one more plug you want to do one more plug for your book yeah sure um a distorted revolution it's uh the, the story of eric's trip and Sort of how they how they affected uh, you know the Moncton music scene and the Canadian music scene and and my life and the, the life of my friends and uh, again just another um, another band and and how how music can sort of change our lives and in, in a lot of way a lot, a lot a lot of ways I should say and uh, yeah coming out in uh, May on in uh, by Nimbus Publishing out of Halifax so yeah look for that cool yeah. Any way that we can uh, track you on Facebook or anything like that? Yeah, I'm on Facebook, uh, just under Jason Murray, and um, yeah, just look for my uh, look for me uh, skateboarding or playing music or uh, <laughs> being sarcastic. That's usually uh, the best way to uh, track me down my sar my sarcasm and and uh, yeah, I'm I'm there usually on there posting posting crap. Cool. We can also check you out, hopefully, on Burlador.ca. Absolutely. All right. We're going to have some new stuff going up there from uh, from Jason. Jason's actually uh, one of the guys uh, who's been instrumental in getting this thing off the ground. He's uh, He's uh, been the go-to guy whenever I uh, have something to bounce off him. I fire out and do him an email, and, and uh, somehow it always comes out the other end with me actually doing something rather than me just sitting on my ass. That's right. Look for TJ's new uh, rock and roll hits coming up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's called uh, "There I Go Again." Nice. The uh, the uh, the adventures of uh, a young man from uh, the east coast of Canada who uh, hasn't uh, done much more than leave. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks a lot. No problem. <laughs> 
So there she be, another episode of the Buffs in the Books. Uh, just a little lesson for you guys. Irish dance music, DC hardcore, basically the same thing. Check us out on uh, Brodor Media, facebook.com slash Media. Also, The Buffs is now on Stitcher and iTunes, so you can subscribe there. Uh, give us a review or whatever you're supposed to do. I don't know. Help us out. Anyway, thanks for listening. Talk to you guys later.